0: Podcast time.
1: Welcome back everyone. I'm Carly. I'm Harry. And this is Known Unknowns. Are we recording? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. We're recording right now. Good.
0: <laughs> well we're we going. Alright.
1: Um oh, were we not we didn't do an episode last no, week. No, we didn't do an episode last Welcome week. Welcome back.
0: Welcome to our podcast, yes. folks. We uh we didn't see Bigfoot.
1: No, we didn't see Bigfoot. Just <laughs> yeah. Nope.
0: Yeah no 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 we just saw ticks
1: lots and lots of them
0: we saw ticks we saw uh dehydration induced visions and
1: yeah, honestly <laughs> it was like 107 degrees <laughs> it was horrible
0: yeah it was a bad time
1: it wasn't good well, uh, we learned a lot yeah exactly <laughs> we're backpacking experts now exactly <laughs> yeah um, what's new?
0: Um, what's new? Uh, well, we just recorded, we, we just recorded a guest spot on a different podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, we did. Yeah. Well, just yesterday, in fact, friend mm-hmm. of the show, uh, Chris Garcia,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, did that. We, we did podcast with him. Um, and so that should be coming out right around the same time what you, as, as this one is coming out. Yeah, uh, it's called Dial a Crime. Uh, he called us up and uh, told, told us about a a, a very a, uh, a a true a, a true crime story.
1: Yes, Dial a Crime. It's um, Chris calls his buddies, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's like the format of it. He's on a phone call, so he calls up his buddies. Is like, how are you? You know, and then he gets to tell you about a fun true crime story. And I believe they're non-violent true crime stories mm-hmm. so if you're into that
0: yeah and ours is very on theme for this podcast so i, th- I think i think fans of this podcast will enjoy absolutely. that absolutely yes a bit.
1: yes definitely it's yeah. really good the episodes are short and sweet so that's nice you're not gonna yeah. have two hour long yeah not a, episodes, not a whole like
0: not a whole lot of like empty wasted air time like this one no yeah no. If, so if you if you if you like our podcast but you you want Less, less of, of us, less oh, of us. Yeah. Less well, yeah, of w- v- hardly any us in like the full run of Dial a Crime. There's, well,
1: yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so we'll be on the episode, I believe, this Monday.
0: Yeah, it should be coming it should out. Should
1: be coming out on the
0: same m- day that you listen to this podcast.
1: Yes, this Monday. What's Monday? Twenty first. yeah June twenty first. But if
0: it's not. Out then it'll be coming out soon after
1: yes and we found it on spotify um i'm assuming you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts
0: yeah i'm sure most podcast places
1: yeah exactly but that's where we've been listening is spotify
0: yeah yeah it's a it's a it's a good fun chris Chris is a fun guy and it's a good fun oh yeah fun show
1: yes yeah we need to We got to have him back.
0: I know we do. We do need to have him back. Even
1: just to listen to us babble on. Exactly. We can just chit chat. He's
0: always got things to say. He does. We can do a crossover. I mean, I guess we just did kind of a crossover episode
1: with him. Yeah. We'll put more info on our Instagram um, when he posts that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I enjoy being a podcast guest. I enjoy being a guest on a podcast.
1: Me too. Uh, I think I prefer it. It's so uh, it's Easy. so much
0: easier. It's easier. <laughs> Don't yeah. have to prepare at all.
1: Unless you're a guest on our podcast, we'll make you prepare the entire episode. Exactly. In
0: which case, yes. yeah, yeah. What's we, the point we of either having either a guest? To, we either need to be guests on more podcasts, or we need to have more guests on this podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have less work to do.
1: Exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, what's What's new this week? With um, you.
0: Uh, what? What? Anything? Mm.
1: I don't. No. No. Not really. It's already getting really hot in this room. <laughs> Turn the air off. It's getting hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Summer podcasting is hard. That's true. That's true. You can't have, you have the air conditioning. You don't have
0: central air. It's a it's tough. Ha, podcasting's a hard business, guys.
1: It's hard, but because then in the winter when you have those little stupid heaters in each bedroom, the old yeah. death trap ones that probably cause, cause yeah, lots our, of fires, those cackle and make weird, terrible noises. Yeah, and our, you really our, can't stop. Our radiator that one. is always yeah, hissing and screaming always.
0: in the winter. In the summer, <laughs> where we either have the air on uh, and it's and it's just growling the whole time, or we're sweating. Or we're sweating. bullets.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a tough one
0: it's a, it's podcasters i think have it harder than anybody tbh
1: <laughs> yeah you're right I you're think right
0: that's probably one of the hardest jobs you can have
1: mhm mhm mm-hmm. okay <laughs> um well i don't think i have much news this week so do you want to we're just doing should we say that we're just doing one episode, one one um, topic?
0: I think, I, I think we can be pretty confident that mine will take up the full running time of the okay. episode. Okay,
1: great. So I'm, Harry has this week. Both of our topics ended up being really long, yeah, shockingly. Uh, so Harry will be taking this week's episode, and I will be taking next week's episode, mm-hmm. and they'll probably be almost an hour, probably forty-five probably. minutes to an uh, hour. We'll, we'll more. see how long it is. Yeah. So an, a, a normal length podcast but i'm not gonna put out a two and a half hour episode right. I'm not Same. doing that i don't want to edit that and i don't want to record that <laughs> no so
0: no we can save that for next week mm-hmm. all right so you're ready to get into it you're are you are your ears yes. prepared yeah all right let's freaking go
1: okay i'm ready
0: so uh this week I have another entry in our occasional series on MKUltra. Yeah. The CIA's 25-year, 25, $25 million mind control experimentation program. Um, I'm going to be focusing on one researcher in particular, a psychiatrist named Jolly West. Okay. Okay?
1: hmm
0: Ready for this? Yeah. All right. Uh, so Louis and Jolly West Uh, was an American psychiatrist whose work focused particularly on cases where subjects were, uh, quote, taken to the limits of human experience.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, In
0: 1954, at the age of 29, with no previous tenure track appointment, he became a full professor and chair of psychiatry at the University of Oklahoma College of Medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, from 1969 to 1989, he served as chair of psychiatry at the University of California, Los Angeles School of Medicine, and the UCLA Neuropsychiatric Neuropsych- Institute. So he, he's an accomplished uh, mm-hmm. professor. Yeah, uh, West was an officer in the United States Air Force uh, Medical Service from 1948 to 1956, attaining the rank of major. In 1952, while assigned to Lackland Air Force Base after his residency, uh, he was appointed to a panel to discover why 36 of 59 airmen captured in the North Co- in the Korean War had confessed or cooperated in Korean allegations of war crimes committed by the United States. Yeah, why? Why would American soldiers uh, confess to committing war crimes overseas? That yeah. would be a ridiculous thing to. It surely could not because war crimes occurred. <laughs> if I know the U.S. military, yeah. Uh Um, amid speculation that the airmen had been brainwashed or drugged, West came to a simpler conclusion. What we found enabled us to rule out drugs, hypnosis, or other mysterious trickery, he said. It was just one device used to confuse, bewilder, and torment our men until they were ready to confess to anything. That device was prolonged, chronic loss of sleep. The airmen avoided being court-martialed for these events as a result of West's research. Um... One of the more unusual incidents in West's career, um, at least according to Wikipedia, mm-hmm. uh, took place in August 1962. He and two co-workers attempted to investigate the phenomenon of must in elephants, um, which is a thing that elephants go through uh, during uh, the, the, the rutting season where they like just go... The male elephants just like go insane. they like go br- oh. they're normally like very huh. very tame bull like well-behaved animals, but when they're when they're in heat male elephants they can like just go like go psycho and just like wipe out a village if they want. That's
1: crazy mm-hmm. huh.
0: so they they attempted to it, investigate to induce this state in elephants uh, by dosing Tusco, a bull elephant at the Lincoln Park Zoo in Oklahoma City with LSD. They expected that the drug would trigger a state similar to MUST. Instead, the animal began to have seizures five minutes after LSD was administered. Uh, yeah, Beginning okay. 20 minutes later, West and his colleagues administered the antipsychotic promazine hydrochloride. They injected a total of 2,800 milligrams over 11 minutes. The large promazine dose was not effective and may have contributed to the animal's death. Oh it died gosh. an hour and 40 minutes after the LSD was given.
1: I'm so sad. That's really depressing. I know, depressing. It's very sad. What? Ugh.
0: Later, many theories developed about why Tusco had died. Some researchers thought that West and his colleagues had made the mistake of scaling up the dose in proportion to the animal's body weight rather than its brain weight, and without considering other factors, such as its metabolic rate. Another theory was that while the LSD had caused Tusco distress, the drugs administered in an attempt to revive him caused death. Attempting to prove that LSD alone had not been the cause of death, Ronald K. Siegel of UCLA repeated a variant of West's experiment on two elephants. (laughs) What? I know. What?
1: Who cares? (laughs) It died, so don't do it again.
0: Uh, He administered to two elephants equivalent doses in milligrams per per kilogram, uh, to that which had been given to Tusco, mixing the LSD in their drinking water rather than directly injecting it. Neither <sighs> elephant expired or exhibited any great distress, although both be- behaved strangely for a number of hours.
1: Uh, yeah, this is not cool. <laughs> These
0: UCLA scientists, this they is love mean. dosing elephants. This is so rude. When he died in 1999, his involvement with the CIA, CIA was not widely known. Um, Mr. Mr. West's. Uh, jolly? He was p- Jolly. Okay. Old, old jolly. He was primarily known as a respected scientist who studied cults and addiction and as an ac- activist against the death penalty and for civil rights. Okay. Uh, forensic sci- <laughs> but he Foren- tests
1: on it, on elephants? Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Well, we'll get into what else he tests on. So. Great. Forensic psychologist Stephen Piddle called him the only benevolent psychopath I ever met.
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> Sounds about right.
0: Yeah. Okay, so, so most of the information in the rest of this, that was just a prelude to uh, what what, the, what most people may have known about Jolly West, if you knew oh, something about him.
1: this is what they would know, is that he drugged elephants and killed them. That's like, yeah. No, that's he didn't one kill of them, the, but he drugged elephants.
0: That's like one of the, uh, other than like being a well-respected psychiatrist and stuff, that's uh, the main thing that he's known for, other than like the things that he would like to be known for. Okay. Um, but mo- most of the information in the rest of this story, uh, comes from the research of journalist Tom O'Neill, uh, who discovered a huge stash of West's papers buried in the UCLA archives r- while researching for his book, Chaos, about the Tate-LaBianca murders.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let me just pause here. Yeah. I am in the middle of reading this book. Okay. Yeah. Harry read this book, Chaos. Yeah. By Tom O'Neill. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am like in the middle of it. hmm So... This is going to spoil some stuff for me, but I'm going to sacrifice it. It doesn't spoil the whole...
0: No, it doesn't. There's
1: so much stuff in that book that this can't spoil the entire book.
0: <laughs> no, this is just Learning one... about
1: one person out of like the 2,000 people he talks about in that oh, book. Oh yeah,
0: there, there's way more. that there... Yeah, this isn't going to spoil it for you.
1: Okay, but all, all of you should read that book. Yeah,
0: it's a great book. I, I read it like last summer, fall, mm-hmm. and it was, it was very good.
1: It's a good read. Okay.
0: Okay, so... On the night of July, um, so, okay, yeah, so here I'm starting by reading, uh, I'm reading from an adapted excerpt of that book that appeared in The Intercept in 2019, and later on I'll be talking about other stuff from elsewhere in the book and a few other sources. And
1: we're mostly. talking about chaos? Yeah, mostly. The book chaos?
0: Most of the stuff from here comes from chaos. Okay. So, if you want to read more about any of this stuff, read the book yourself. Okay. So, on the night of July 4th, 1954, in San Antonio, Texas, uh, San Antonio, Texas was shaken by the rape and murder of a three-year-old girl.
1: Oh my gosh! I'm sorry. Why are we okay? Okay. Okay.
0: The man accused of these crimes was Jimmy Shaver, an airman at the nearby Lackland Air Force Base with no criminal record. Shaver claimed to have lost his memory of the incident.
1: Ah, uh, okay. <laughs>
0: The victim, three year old Sherry Jo Horton, had disappeared around midnight outside the Air Force Base where her parents had left her in the parking lot outside a bar. She played with her brother while they had a drink inside.
1: What? <laughs> Who leaves their three year old out in the parking lot?
0: Think things are different in the
1: 50s. Okay. That's stupid. And they're
0: right by an air, an air Force base.
1: That's ridiculous, that be but safe. okay. No. Okay. <laughs>
0: Uh, When they noticed her missing, they formed a search party. Gosh,
1: this is... (laughs) Uh,
0: Within an hour, the group came upon a car parked next to a gravel pit. Um, A shaver wandered out of the darkness. He was shirtless, covered in blood and scratches. Making no attempt to escape, he let the search party walk him to the edge of the highway. Bystanders described him as dazed and in a trance-like state. What's going on here, he asked. He didn't seem drunk, but he couldn't say where he was, how he'd gotten there, how'd he gotten there, or whose blood was all over him. Meanwhile, the search party found Horton's body in the gravel pit. Deputies arrested Shaver. At 29, he was recently married with two children and no history of violence. He'd been at the same bar Horton had been abducted from, but he'd left with a friend who told police that neither of them was drunk. Mm. Uh, Though Shaver had seemed high on something. Before deputies could take Shaver to the county jail, a constable from another precinct arrived with orders from military police to assume custody of him. Around four that morning, an Air Force marshal questioned Shaver, and two doctors examined him, agreeing he wasn't drunk. One later testified that he, uh, quote, probably was not normal. He was very composed outside, which I did not expect him to be under these circumstances. He was released to the county jail and booked for rape and murder. Investigators interrogated Shaver through the morning. When his wife came to visit, he didn't recognize her. He gave his first statement at 10.30 a.m., adamant that another man was responsible. He could summon an image of a stranger with blonde hair and tattoos. After the Air Force Marshal returned to the jailhouse, however, Shaver signed a second statement taking full responsibility. Though he still didn't remember anything, he reasoned he must have done it. Two months later, in September... Shaver's memories still hadn't returned. The commander of the base hospital, Colonel uh, Robert S. Bray, ordered a psychiatric evaluation to be performed by Dr. Louis Jollyon West, the head of psychiatric services at the airbase. It fell to West to decide if Shaver had been legally sane at the time of the murder.
1: This is weird. Okay.
0: It is. Uh, Shaver spent the next two weeks under West's supervision. They returned to the scene of the crime, trying to jog his memory. Later, West hypnotized Shaver and gave him an injection of sodium pentothal, or truth serum, Hmm. to see if he could clear his amnesia. You have something to say? I'm
1: assuming that didn't work.
0: Uh, I, well, actually, we'll see. While Shaver was, I don't remember if it does or not. While Shaver was (laughs) under, according to testimony, he recalled the events of that night. He confessed to killing Horton. He'd brought out repressed mem- She'd brought out repressed memories of his cousin, Beth Rainboat, who'd sexually abused him as a child. Shaver had started drinking at home that night when he, uh, quote, had visions of God oh. who whispered into his ear to seek out and kill the evil girl Beth.
1: What? <laughs> I, that's not... Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. This is interesting.
0: It's very... Yeah, very. At the trial, West made an, only a minimal effort to exonerate Shaver. The airman was found guilty, though an appeals court later ruled that he'd had an unfair trial, he was convicted again in the retrial. In 1958, on his 33rd birthday, he was executed by the electric chair. He maintained his innocence the whole time.
1: Except when he was under that truth serum stuff? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I don't trust that. Right. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this.
0: Mm-hmm. So at the trial, West maintained that Shaver had suffered a bout of temporary insanity on the night of Sherry Joe Horton's killing. But he argued that Shaver was quite sane now. Um, in the courtroom, Shaver didn't look that way. One newspaper account said that he, he, quote, sat through the strenuous sessions like a man in a trance, saying nothing, never rising to stretch or smoke, though he was a known chain smoker. Large portions of West's truth serum interview with Shaver were read into the court record. The doctor had used leading questions to walk the entranced Shaver through the crime. Tell me about when you took your clothes off, Jimmy, he said. The transcript of the interview, which survived among West's papers, also showed West trying to prove that Shaver had repressed memories. Jimmy, do you remember when something like this happened before? Or after you took her clothes off, what did you do? I never did take her clothes off, Shaver said. The interview was divided into thirds, and the middle third hadn't been recorded. When the transcript picked up, it said, Shaver is crying. He has been confronted with all the facts repeatedly. West asked, Now you remember it all, don't you, Jimmy? Yes, sir, Shaver replied.
1: Mm, This is sketchy. Very curious. But why did he stumble out naked with blood on him? Right. So... Mm. I don't know how I feel about this.
0: Though lawyers scrutinized Shaver's medical history, little mention was made of the base hospital where West's archived letters indicate he had conducted his MKUltra experiments. Shaver had suffered from migraine so debilitating that he'd dunk his head in a bucket of ice water when he felt one coming on.
1: Oh my god, me too.
0: <laughs> his condition was severe enough that the Air Force had recommended him for a two-year experimental program. The doctor who'd attempted to recruit him was not named in court records or transcripts. Hmm. On the stand, West said he'd never gotten around to seeing whether Shaver had been treated in the experimental program. Lackland officials told me there was—me being Tom Um, O'Neill—there was no record of him in their Master Index of Patients. But, curiously, according to the base's archivist, all the records for patients in 1954 had been maintained, with one exception. The file for last names beginning with SA through ST had vanished.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This is okay.
0: So that's that's the end of the Shaver story.
1: Wait, really? Yeah. Do that's... we find anything else out about him?
0: Uh, is he guilty? We don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I, it might, it goes into a little bit more detail in the book about everything. It might give you more, a little bit more closure there, but.
1: Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, In the 50s, even before hippies embraced the drug, uh, quote, very few people took LSD without having somebody being a trip leader, according to Charles Fisher, uh, a drug researcher. Um, The suggestibility from LSD was akin to that associated with hypnosis. West had studied the two in tandem. You can tell somebody somebody to hurt somebody, but you call it something else, Fisher explained. Hammer the nail into the wood, and the wood, perhaps, is a human being.
1: Hmm. Mhm. Mhm.
0: West seems to have used chemicals liberally in his medical practice, and his tactics left an indelible mark on the psychiatrists who worked with him. One of them, Gilbert Rose, was so baffled by the Shaver case that he went on to write a play about it. What's um, the play? I don't know. Oh, okay, don't, never mind. I can look it up No, quickly.
1: no, no, no. I don't need to know that bad. All right. <laughs> I just can, thought maybe you knew.
0: No, I don't. Uh Yeah, no, I don't know.
1: Okay. That's fine.
0: Uh, okay. In my 50 years in the profession, that was the most dramatic moment ever when he clapped his hands to his face and remembered killing the girl, Rose said in 2002 of Shaver and the Truth Serum interview. But Rose was shocked when I told him that West had hypnotized Shaver in addition to giving him sodium pentothal. Hypnotism, he said, was not part of the protocol for the interview. He'd also never known how West had found out about the case right away. We were involved from the first day, Rose recalled. Jolly phoned me the morning of the murder. He initiated it. Now, that's the end of the shaver talk. Sorry, I forgot. Uh, Almost as soon as they had access to it, government scientists saw LSD as a potential Cold War miracle drug. Full-fledged U.S. research into LSD began soon after the end of World War II when American intelligence learned that the USSR was developing a program to influence human behavior through drugs and hypnosis. The United States believed that Soviets could extract information from people without their knowledge, program them to make false confessions, and perhaps persuade them to kill on command. In 1949, the CIA, then in its infancy, launched Project Bluebird, a mind control program that tested drugs on American citizens, most in federal penitentiaries or on military bases, who didn't even know about, let alone consent to, the battery of procedures they underwent. Uh, his success in an, uh, his success exonerating and reintegrating the uh, quote brainwashed POWs in 1952 gained West acceptance into the highest levels of the national security complex. Particularly, it led to a correspondence between Jolly and CIA poisons expert slash MK mastermind Sidney Gottlieb, Gottlieb, whose aptitude and amorality earned him the nickname the quote black sorcerer.
1: Oh good (laughs) good
0: cool guy cool
1: cool cool guy (laughs) i don't
0: know yeah so i anyway did you did did you have any thoughts any more thoughts other than it's it's weird on the the shaver incident and stuff
1: no i don't think so i is this gonna all come together in the end why you told that story
0: well i mean it's part of yeah i mean i guess it'll become more clear and stuff i don't know it's 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 a it's part of painting a picture about this Jolly West guy.
1: The stuff he's involved with? Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, sorry, I hit a button on my keyboard and I lost my place. Um, anyway, okay, here. The letters in the UCLA archive picked up midstream, with no prologue or prelim- preliminaries. The first was dated June 11th, 1953, a mere two months after MK Ultra started, when West was chief of the psychiatric service at the airbase at Lackland. Addressing Gottlieb as SG, West outlined the experiments he proposed to perform using a combination of psychotropic drugs and hypnosis. He began with a plan to discover, uh, quote, the degree to which information can be extracted from presumably unwilling subjects, through hypnosis alone or in combination with certain drugs, possibly with subsequent amnesia for the interrogation and or alteration of the subject's recollection of the information he formerly knew. Another item proposed honing, uh, quote, techniques for implanting false information into particular subjects or for inducing in them specific mental disorders. He hoped to create a couriers who would carry uh, a long and complex message embedded secretly in their minds and to study uh, the induction of trance states by drugs. His list lined up perfectly with the goals of MKUltra. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Needless to say, West added, the experiments must eventually be put to the test in practical trials in the field. To this end, he asked Gottlieb for some sort of carte blanche.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Mm-hmm. Who would the guinea pigs be? He listed four groups: four groups, basic airmen, volunteers, patients, and others, possibly including prisoners in the local stockade. Only the volunteers would be paid. The others could be unwilling and, though it wasn't spelled out, unwitting.
1: Huh. It would be
0: easier to preserve his secrecy if he were inducing specific mental disorders in people who already exhibited them. Certain patients requiring hypnosis and therapy or suffering from dissociative disorders, trances, fugues, amnesia, etc., might lend themselves to our experiments.
1: (laughs) Uh, okay
0: official investigations into mk ultra yielded no informa- little information about its subjects but west's letter suggests that the program cast a wide net yeah i'm sure mhm
1: so is he working for this program then
0: yeah yeah he started like
1: he works for with mk the mk ultra mm-hmm, stuff yeah like okay.
0: uh, yeah as soon like after he's like did the brainwashing stuff with the pows he like yes got involved with Sidney Gottlieb and stuff, because he, like, yeah, in those letters he was, like, laying out to them, like, what he was going to do at okay. the Oklahoma Air Force, or yeah. San Antonio Air Force Base. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. In 1954, around the same time as Sherry Jo Horton's murder, West began to split his time between Lackland and the University of Oklahoma School of Medicine, where he would lead the psychiatric department. West had told his prospective employer that his Lackland duties were purely clinical and that he'd been doing no research, classified or otherwise, and he asked the board of directors at Oklahoma for permission to accept money from the Geschichter Fund for Medical Research, which he called a nonprofit private research foundation. In fact, as the CIA later acknowledged, Geschichter was a front organization used by the CIA to distribute funds to medical researchers under the MKUltra umbrella.
1: I hate I hate this. <laughs> I don't like this. In
0: 1956, West reported back to the CIA that the experiments he'd begun in 1953 had at last come to fruition. In a 1956 paper titled uh, "The Psychophysiological Studies of Hypnosis and Suggestibility," he claimed to have achieved the impossible. He knew how to replace true memories with false ones in human beings without their knowledge. Without detailing specific incidents, he put it in layman's terms. It has been found to be feasible to take the memory of a definite event in the life of an individual and, through hypnotic suggestion, bring about the subsequent conscious recall to the effect that this event never actually took place, but that a different, fictional event actually did occur. He'd done it, he claimed, by administering new drugs effective in speeding the induction of the hypnotic state and in deepening the trance that can be produced in given subjects.
1: (laughs) So, is that what they think happened in that Shaver case? He Uh, was drugged and then they put a fake memory in him?
0: Yeah, or maybe what they were trying to do, or it could be like he they were trying to treat him for something else and accidentally made him do something i don't know yeah yeah they were like yeah i mean yeah i mean it sounds it sounds very much in line with these sort of things that he specifically and mk ultra at large were trying to accomplish with people
1: yeah like Mm -hmm. they brainwashed him to do that
0: Potentially, or they were trying to brainwash him afterward to like...
1: Yeah, or both. Yeah, or both. Oh, this is bad. Okay, I don't like this. Uh Uh-huh. This sucks. Uh,
0: Yeah. The CIA seems to have paired MKUltra back in the mid-60s, according to congressional testimony and surviving financial records. But Jolly West's government-funded research continued apace. Late in the fall of 1966, West arrived in San Francisco to study hippies and LSD. (laughs) Tall, broad, and crew-cut with an all-American look in keeping with his military past, he cobbled together a new wardrobe and started skipping haircuts. He secured a government grant and took a year-long sabbatical from the University of Oklahoma nominally to pursue a fellowship at Stanford, although that school had no record of his participation in a program there.
1: Wait. What about haircuts? He stopped getting haircuts?
0: Yeah, so he could like blend For in with the year? hippies in oh, San Francisco. Oh,
1: I was like, okay.
0: He was, so, yeah, he, he was going to San Francisco to, yeah, to research hippies and LSD and
1: stuff. Okay. <laughs> hmm.
0: uh, another of his papers, 1965's Dangers of Hypnosis, foresaw the rise of dangerous groups led by crackpots who hypnotized their followers into violent criminality. Hmm. He cited two cases a double murder in Copenhagen committed by a hypno programmed man and a quote military offense induced experimentally at an undisclosed US army base. Uh the they say in the article, it's not at all clear that the latter referred to Shaver's killing. But it could be. Okay. But it might not be. It's probably huh. not, but it could be.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, I guess it's not really a military offense, but I mean he was like a military guy, so who mm-hmm. knows. He'd also supervised a study in Oklahoma City in which he'd hired informants to infiltrate teenage gangs and engender a fundamental change in basic moral, religious, or political matters. The title of the project was Mass Conversion, and it had been funded by Gottlieb. Just, uh, in the, Huh. mm mm-hmm. In The Hate, uh, West arranged for the use of a crumbling Victorian house on Frederick Street, where he set up what he described as a laboratory disguised as a hippie crash pad. The pad opened in June 1967, at the dawn of the Summer of Love. He installed six graduate students in the pad, telling them to dress like hippies and lure itinerant kids into the apartment. Passersby were welcome to do as they pleased and stay as long as they liked, as long as they didn't mind grad students taking notes on their behavior.
1: I'm, kind of, I'm understanding now why this guy is in this book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I get how he fits in now.
0: According to records in West's files, his crash pad was funded by the Foundations Fund for Research in Psychiatry, Inc., which had bankrolled a number of his other projects, too, across decades and in institutions. Dr. Gordon Deckert, West's successor at the, as the chair of. <laughs> Carly sorry. was picking a hair off my laptop.
1: Yeah, there was a hair stuck in it, one I'm of sorry. Harry's hair. Okay. Hairs.
0: Uh. <laughs> <I>? <laughs> Dr. Gordon Deckert, West's successor as the chair at the University of Oklahoma, told me that he found papers in West's desk that revealed that the foundation's fund was a front for the CIA. This wouldn't have been the agency's first disguised laboratory in San Francisco. A few years earlier, the evocatively titled Operation Midnight Climax had seen CIA operatives open at least three Bay Area safehouses disguised as upscale bordellos, kitted out with one-way mirrors and kinky photographs. A spy named George Hunter White and his colleagues hired prostitutes to entice prospective Johns to the homes where the men were served cocktails laced with acid. The goal was to see if LSD, paired with sex, could be used to coax sensitive information from the men. White later wrote to a CIA handler I was a very minor missionary, actually a heretic, but I toiled wholeheartedly in the vineyards because it was fun, fun, fun. <laughs>
1: hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: At the Hate Ashbury pad, though, West's motives were vague. No one seemed to have a firm grasp of the project's purpose, not even those involved in it. The grad students hired to staff West's crash pad lab were assigned to keep diaries of their work. In unguarded moments, nearly all these students admitted that something didn't add up. They weren't sure what they were supposed to be doing or why West was there, and often he wasn't there. In one of the places West was one of the places West was, when not at the research pad, was at the Haight Ashbury Free Medical Clinic, uh, where his friend Roger Smith, a Ph.D. candidate in criminology, was doing research similar to West's, studying drug use and violence among San Francisco hippies. Okay. Uh, he ran a program called the Amphetamine Research Project out of the uh, Amphetamine Research Project out of the Haight Ashbury Clinic, with funding from the National Institute of Mental Health. A 1976 FOIA request forced the uh, NIMH to acknowledge that it had allowed itself to be used by the CIA as a funding front in the 60s. Interestingly, the ARP never published any of its research. The only thing close being Smith's dissertation published a couple years later. In it, he argued that to ensure success, researchers had to protect their subjects from criminal prosecution, conceal their activities from the police, and grant them anonymity in all reports. Similar to the carte blanche that uh, uh, West was uh, requesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Also curiously, at the same time he was setting up the ARP, Roger Smith was working as a parole officer handling only one case, that of Mr. Charles Manson. Oh,
1: shoot. (laughs) Man.
0: (laughs) It was during this time. while his Is this
1: going to ruin this book for me?
0: No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. It was during this time while his parole officer was researching drugs and violence for a CIA front organization and his parole officer's friend, Jolly West, was researching cults and brainwashing, also on the CIA's dime a few blocks away, that Manson began to assemble the group of young people who would become the family and who he would convince to commit multiple horrendous murders on his behalf.
1: I was going to say, doesn't this sound... Everything is leading up to the family. Uh-huh. being born
0: it sounds a hippie yeah, group very much the kind LSD, of things that,
1: brainwashing murder
0: very much the kind of things that jolly west was into and he was doing that research in and around the offices where west was me or manson was meeting his parole officer who was doing similar research for another front organization who the roger smith uh, the guy who was doing the amphetamines research project
1: so, okay. Uh-huh. Are you just going to let that yeah, stay Yeah, I'm just going to let that. Are, I'm you just... gonna, are you going to have them put those pieces together? Oh,
0: yeah. I'll let you read more of the book and see where okay. else it goes.
1: Because <laughs> I, okay. Because I'm like, I'm assuming. Okay. Yeah. Got it.
0: But, um, I mean, yeah. That, that, that's, I you just can wanna, put the
1: pieces together there.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to like mention the, his connection with that case, because he, he shows up in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. When the Tate-LaBianca murders went to trial, Jolly West kept his distance.
1: And that's the one that... That's, that's yeah. what the family did. Yeah, right. The Manson mm-hmm. Yeah, did. the Manson family murders. The Manson family murders. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Despite being a leading expert on cults and brainwashing, two major factors in the most sensational trial yeah. of the decade... Taking place in the state in which he worked, um, he made no appearance and gave no public comment. It
1: was the biggest.
0: Like he was, those were
1: the biggest trials. Like he he was, he was studying
0: year. San Francisco hippies and cults and brainwashing. Like the year before it happened, <laughs> and he, and he was like a famous psychiatrist for his work with the Korean War POWs and and other things that I'm about to talk about.
1: <sighs> okay.
0: Um, and let me see. When another high-profile trial took place in 1976, the court handling the Patty Hearst case uh, appointed him in his capacity as a brainwashing expert. Um. Prior to his brush with Manson, he had also taken part in another high-profile legal proceeding. Hmm. Okay. Just seeing how long we are into the episode. On November <coughs> 24th, uh, 1963. Jack Jack Ruby drove into Dallas with his pet dachshund, Sheba, whom he would often jokingly refer to as his wife. Sheba. Sheba. (laughs) Uh, He drove into Dallas to send an emergency money order at the Western Union on Main Street to one of his employees.
1: Mm, That sounds like sketchy business to me.
0: (laughs) The timestamp of completion for the cash transaction on the money order was 1117 a.m. Ruby then walked one half-block to the near to the nearby Dallas police headquarters, where he made his way into the basement via either the main street ramp or a stairway accessible from an alleyway next to the Dallas Municipal Building. At 11.21 a.m. Central Standard Time, while authorities were es- escorting Lee Harvey Oswald through the police basement to an armored car that was to take him to the nearby county jail, Ru- Ruby stepped out from a c- crowd of reporters with his, uh... A thirty-eight Colt Cobra revolver aimed at Lee Harvey Oswald's abdomen and fired a single round at point-blank range, mortally wounding him. The bullet entered Oswald's left side in the front part of the abdomen and caused damage to his spleen, stomach, aorta, vena cava, kidney, liver, diaphragm, and 11th rib before coming to rest on his right side. Oswald made a cry of anguish and his manacled hands clutched at clutched at his abdomen as he writhed in pain and he slumped to the concrete paving where he moaned several times police detective billy combest uh combest suddenly recognized ruby and exclaimed jack you son of a bitch ruby was immediately subdued by agents and police a moaning oswald was carried back into the basement level jail office he lost consciousness shortly thereafter Taken by ambulance to Parkland Memorial Hospital, the same hospital where President Kennedy had been pronounced dead two days earlier, Oswald died at 107 p.m.
1: So he was shot in the middle of the day.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ja- uh, yeah, Lee Harvey, uh, the guy who shot JFK, Lee Harvey Oswald. Was, yeah, yeah. Jack Ruby. Jack. Yeah, I'm talking about Jack Ruby, who just killed him. Okay. Yeah, he killed two days after he killed JFK. Jack Ruby came in and shot him while he was in police custody.
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay.
0: Okay? Yeah. So, Ruby wrote his account of Oswald's murder with a ghostwriter and had it published in newspapers around the country. He claimed to have, quote, lost his senses when he pulled out his gun. Next thing he knew, he was pinned to the floor and had no memory of the previous moments. What am I doing here? What are you guys jumping on me for? He asked. A psychiatric analysis determined Ruby had suffered a, quote, fugue state with subsequent amnesia. His defense attorney, Melvin Belly, later wrote that Ruby had a blank spot in his memory and that potential justifications, quote, had been poured like water into the vacuum in his pathologically receptive memory and, once there, had solidified like cement.
1: Do we know what happened to Sheba?
0: (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know what happened to Sheba. But, I mean, maybe that... That that's a story for another episode, maybe. Fine. I don't know what happened to. His I
1: want to know what happened to Sheba. Yeah,
0: I hope. I hope someone. I hope, I she hope got she's a okay. Good
1: home. Yeah, I hope she was okay. Mm-hmm.
0: I doubt. Da- I'm guessing he just left her and I don't think he took her with him to kill Oswald. I doubt it.
1: Yeah, I know. There's but... There's no
0: dog in the pictures.
1: Yeah, but I know. <laughs> so are we thinking that the guy who killed this guy was brainwashed?
0: Well, we'll see. I. I mean. Yeah, we'll 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 see. Uh, some something else comes up a little bit later that I think is v- much more interesting than like Oswald's lack of memory. But mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. Um before Oswald's body was cold. Jolly West was trying to assemble a panel of experts in behavior problems to study Ruby's mental state. Okay. He even approached the judge who impaneled the grand jury that indicted Ruby, asking to be appointed to the case, saying he'd been saying he'd been asked by someone never named to seek the appointment. Um, oh, he, re- he wrote in like his papers uh, that he'd been asked by someone never named to seek the appointment from Judge Joe Brown, quote, a few days after the assassination. Okay. Judge Brown turned him down, but West continued attempting to insert himself into the case. Uh, Ruby was convicted and sentenced to death, um, but he hired psychiatrist Dr. Hubert Winston Smith to appeal the ruling. Dr. Smith suggested that Dr. West should be brought in to use his, skill, his skills as a hypnotist and administrator of sodium pentothal to help Ruby regain his memory of the shooting. Soon afterward, Smith was awarded a teaching position in the Oklahoma Psychiatry Department that West was chair of. Uh, on April 26, 1964, Jolly West began his examination of Jack Ruby. Nobody but Ruby and West can say what took place during the examination, as there were no witnesses. Mm-hmm. But when West emerged from the cell 48 hours later, he announced that, the, that sometime during the exam, the previous 48 hours, Ruby had undergone an acute psychotic break. The previously sane inmate, uh, quote, was now positively insane. West said that the condition appeared to be unshakable and fixed. West wrote in a sworn affidavit accompanying his diagnosis, "Uh, Last night, the patient became convinced that all Jews in America were being slaughtered. This was in retaliation for him, Jack Ruby, the Jew who was was responsible for all the trouble. And that he'd uh, seen his own brother tortured, horribly mutilated, castrated, and burned in the street outside the jail. He could still hear the screams. The orders for this terrible pogrom must have come from Washington. Ruby believed the delusion so deeply, according to West, that he crawled under the table to hide. Prior to West's examination, half a dozen doctors had evaluated Ruby and found him to be in his right mind. After Jolly mm-hmm. saw him, every other doctor to examine Ruby diagnosed him as delusional. Before his retrial took, could take place, Jack Ruby died of a pulmonary embolism on January 3rd, 1967, less than a month after he was diagnosed with cancer of the liver, lungs, and brain.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: So, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. The guy.
0: Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I'm almost finished. But Okay. So, Jolly West lived to the age of 74, dying uh, January 2nd, 1999, with metastatic... Met, met, <laughs> met, 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 metastatic... Met... meta meta Metastatic... Metastatic... Uh,
1: what are you trying to say? With
0: metastatic... Metastatic cancer.
1: Okay. I <laughs>
0: I don't, I don't know if you say it metastatic. I don't think so. Okay. I think you say it metastasis.
1: Okay, Heart. we got it. Cancer.
0: His LA Times obituary remembers him as an accomplished psychiatrist and civil rights activist. He was the first white psychiatrist to go to South Africa, South Africa and testify on behalf of black prisoners. In 1966, he was a member of the White House Conference on Civil Rights. Uh, Everybody makes a difference, West said about activism activism while speaking to the Times in 1985. You can fight City Hall, you can change the world. It might not seem like much of a change at the time, but you have the power as an individual to do a great deal. And that's that's Jolly West.
1: I'm confused. Because he's not a good guy.
0: Yeah, I know. So... yeah, it, most of that, there was, like, allegations when MK Ultra first came out that he had, like, taken money from the CIA for research and stuff, but no one had like could, like, prove it or anything, and he'd, he denied it and stuff. And so, like, it was kind of just, like, a footnote his whole, the rest of his life, and he, he was mostly just a, a well-respected psychiatrist. But
1: he's sketchy.
0: <laughs> he's very sketchy, yeah. Okay. I don't know, I... Yeah, so what do you what do you think his deal was in I don't these know. various situations
1: I don't mm, I don't know I mean I
0: think he definitely scrambled Jack Ruby's brains
1: yeah I think he brainwashed people yeah he scrambled people's brains
0: I don't I don't know uh, yeah I won't I won't say what I think about like the Charles Manson connection because you haven't finished the book yet I think that the shape for connection he def i don't, I don't know he had probably had some connection to him I mean he definitely he definitely had some given that the files for shaver's name were missing at the from the from the uh, Air Force base
1: so did the did they did the CIA hire this guy to like go scramble people's brains after they after Could be they brainwashed them to do bad things
0: could be or after
1: those people were working for the cia
0: (sighs) or well i mean i think i think he probably did numerous numerous things he did he did research for the cia mostly i think but i think he also did once he found out how to do things he probably uh, put them into practice (laughs) okay that is how i think it worked
1: okay yeah hmm yeah interesting it's a lot to Hmm. yeah all right any last thoughts on that
0: i don't know uh i think uh it's uh it's uh i don't really i mean i think there are things that are that we know to be unknown
1: okay all right (laughs) moving on okay
0: uh do you have anything else to say for this episode Anything to say for yourself?
1: No, I am. My mind is scrambled from this story.
0: I'm boiling hot. I'm just
1: thinking about this story. But yes, I'm really hot right now. I'm very (laughs) tired. I'm ready to go to bed.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. Um, I've been Harry.
1: I'm still Carly.
0: And this has been...
1: Known unknowns.
0: Good night and good vibes. I already used that one, but I'm saying (laughs) it again
1: because it's weird out there. Bye. Bye.